great to have you here at the Shoreline Church at Christ. I'm Gio Garces. It's great to have you. Uh, we'll say goodbye to our teen ministry, our amazing teen ministry back there. Goodbye. They're going to class. If you've been with us the last several weeks, we're going through the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And uh, it has been quite an adventure, just kind of diving into the Bible, diving into what the Scriptures are teaching us, getting closer to God. You know, the more we read the Bible, the more we look into the Bible, the more we know the mind of God, the more we know the heart of God, the more we know what God wants of us. If we do not read the Bible, we won't truly know what God wants from our lives. We won't know the Father. And, you know, as Chris and Lori shared, their longevity as Christians have come from their relationship with God. So this morning we want to talk about that. We're going to look at some things in the Bible. You know, last week we looked at, you know, two kings. You know, Jesus was born during the Roman Empire and, you know, the Roman Empire was very familiar with Emperor Augustus. And so Jesus was the king of all the world, of all of mankind, and uh, Emperor Augustus was the savior of Rome. And comparing the two as Luke is presenting uh, that Jesus is clearly the Son of God. And the Emperor Augustus is clearly a man who claimed to be God. Uh, he was worshipped as a God. And so Luke is presenting to us uh, last week, you have a choice. Which king will you serve? Who will you give your allegiance to? And this week, we're just going to get a little bit more uh, in- involved in the book of Luke, and the gospel of Luke. And there's an emphasis on the minority having interaction with Jesus. The minority being, you know, the widows, the poor, the outcasts, uh, the lesser of society. Those were usually the Gentile people, the non-Roman citizens, to be specific. There were a lot of people in Rome that did not have the benefits of being a Roman citizen. One of the great disciples in the church, Paul, was a Roman citizen. So he was, he was allowed certain rights. You couldn't treat him a certain way. But if you were not a Roman citizen, you were often mistreated. Can you relate to that? Getting mistreated. Even, even in the United States of America, you can get mistreated, right? So we're going to look at being a faithful, a faithful witness, a faithful man or woman of God. And Luke talks about that a little bit. You know, Luke, if you didn't know, this is the, one of the only Gentile writers of the New Testament. In other words, he speaks loud and clear to the minorities, loud and clear to the outsiders, that God wants not only the Jews, but he wants the Gentiles. He wants all slave. It doesn't matter who you are. God wants a relationship with you. And for us to return the relationship, we read the Bible. We get to know the heart of God. He speaks to us through His inspired, revealed Word, which is now completed. We have the complete version. In, in the time of Luke was written, it wasn't complete yet. But now we have the completed version. So what prevents us from reading our Bibles? What stops us? Because as you heard today, the, the reason why people remain faithful over, over many, many years is because of their relationship with God. If we just base our relationship with God only on prayer and not the written word, we'll walk around aimlessly and without direction. 
will fall in many, many pitfalls. Because our emotions and our prayers can lead us away from God if we don't check it with what He literally says about what we should do when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our marriages, when it comes to our parenting, when it comes to one another relationships. The Bible is filled with specific direction. So we not only need our prayer life, but we also need the Word to give us direction on where to go. You know, faithful witnesses so far in the Bible, we've looked at Joseph and Mary believing and then living out their life with actions. We saw Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, believing, doubting, overcoming, faithful. We're going to look at another person in the Bible called Simeon, an older man who is waiting to see the Messiah. We're going to look at a woman named Anna, who was an older woman, a widow, proclaiming that the, the Messiah is here, is coming. Look in your Bibles in Luke chapter 2. We're going to continue our Bible study and how the Bible can be applied to our life. How to make it for the long haul. How to make it over many, many, many years of being a follower of Jesus. For many of us in this room, we're looking at a good 30 years. Maybe you already put in 10. You got 30 to go. Maybe you have 40 to go. We got time. But we're going to need to understand how do we get our faithfulness? Where does that come from? Luke chapter 2, verse 21. It's the, it's the text about Jesus and uh, his parents. And he was born. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. And the name, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. Why was Jesus circumcised? You know, in the Old Testament, it was to signify a covenant relationship with God's people and God. And Jesus and his parents were still subject to that law. They were still being obedient, an obedient Jewish couple taking their son to be circumcised. Circumcision began with Abraham in Genesis chapter 17. And for anyone who would join the community of the Jewish people, whether they were slaves brought in to work the fields, they too had to be circumcised to be part of the community. It was a sign of a special relationship that a man had with God. In the New Testament, it's the circumcision of the heart and also baptism that interconnects. Because in the Old Testament, being circumcised and all that was a sign of purity before God. We are God's people. We live by His laws, His degrees. And there was a sense of purity there. And now in the New Testament, it's baptism that washes away our sins. Acts 2.38, Colossians 2 verse 13. It forgives us. It washes away and makes us pure. As Paul said in uh, Acts 22 verse 16, what are you waiting for? Get up, wash your sins away. And be baptized. You know, Jesus was brought up in a traditional Jewish household. He would later become a priest, a prophet, and a king. He had to become all three. Because in the Old Testament, you had the king, you had the prophet, and you had the priests. And he would become all three because he needed to be the perfect sacrifice for us to follow him to heaven. It had to be done that way. And so he's being brought up in that way. 
And it was the custom of the firstborn males to be given their name at circumcision. You look at verse 22. When the time of their purification, according, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. That's Exodus 13, verse 12. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. You know, we see Mary and Joseph, the couple. You can already see they're, they're really great parents. They're really faithful. The angel came. Mary was pregnant with, with Jesus. It wasn't Joseph's biological son, but Joseph was an honorable man, did not want to embarrass her. Stayed married, trusted God, was a faithful man. Bringing her, bringing her down from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem, traveling with a pregnant child. What a faithful couple. And you noticed here, they continue to obey the very words of God. On the eighth day, he was circumcised. You know, the purification after having a child. In Leviticus 12 says, you had to wait 33 days before you can go to the temple. And Mary did that. She waited the 33 days. You can see they're raising their children according to what they knew was the law of God. Amen. You know, if you're a parent this morning, this is a great example of parents who are being, they're doing their best and becoming great parents because they're trusting the Bible. They're trusting the very words of God. And one of the hardest things to do as parents is to trust the words of God sometimes. Because our emotions can hijack the scriptures. Yeah. Our emotions get in the way of the scriptures sometimes. And it goes against our gut sometimes. But we trust the scriptures. And Mary and Joseph trust God's word. They are faithful, obedient, and trusting. Amen. You know, a pair of young pigeons was required for them. That, in, in Leviticus it said if you, if you couldn't afford a lamb, you were to bring pigeons. In other words, Mary and Joseph were poor. They were not wealthy. Amen. Economics has very little to do with your spirituality. A better job does not make you more spiritual. Yeah. It does not. Sometimes we think, well, if I have a better job, that means God's... It has nothing to do with your walk with God. The Bible is peppered with poor people who are so close to God. Literally have nothing. And they are lifted up. They lifted up. It's amazing. Three times in this passage, Luke makes a point of how obedient the parents were to God's word. He makes a point to say that. How obedient they were. And I want to encourage and challenge every parent here. If you have children, to bring them up according to the words of God. Amen. You know, one of the passages that convict me and humble me is, you know, you know, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training of the Lord. You know, my walk with God gets exposed when I start exasperating my kids, when I have unrealistic expectations sometimes. I exasperate them. When I overwhelm them or when I'm disorganized, I exasperate them and my wife. But training... You know, in children's ministry, they give us this cute little uh, triangular-shaped uh, little paper there, and we have it on our kitchen table. 
And it kind of gives you what to tell your kids. It's kind of say this, do that. Let's play this, count this. It's so simple. But this week I didn't do any of them. And I saw my relationship with my kids get, I was, I was getting shorter tempered. I wasn't engaged with them spiritually. I was expecting something from them, but wasn't engaging them spiritually. And I sensed that. I go, wow, what a connection. Last week was much different. Last week was pretty awesome. We were doing it. It was great. We were having fun. It brought out things in our family that we needed to change and grow in. You know, it just reminds me about Joseph and Mary and how obedient they were to God's word. Amazing. You know, in verse 25, it says, Now there was a man in, in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. What, a, what an encouraging description from God. Yeah. This guy was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. I mean, the, the, the Messianic age was coming. He was waiting for the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he, he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now, now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. There it is. And for the glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the, uh, the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. You know, here is, here is Simeon singing a song of praise. You never get fired up, you start singing a song? And I'm not talking Britney Spears here. I'm talking spiritual songs. Here was, here was Mary, the mother of Jesus, a song. Zechariah had a song. Simeon has a song. A song of praise. Who was this guy, Simeon? Why, why, would, the, why would the Bible highlight him? You know, what he said was, God, now I've seen the Messiah. Now I'm ready to go. I saw the salvation. I saw Jesus. Take me. I'm ready. We get the, we get the impression he was an older gentleman. He waited a long time for this to happen. And then there's no evidence. He was part of the religious Pharisees. And, there, and he wasn't a zealot. He was just a guy. He was one of the, the minorities. He was just a man who was waiting and was faithfully waiting for the Messiah. That's who he was. And the Bible describes him as devout, righteous, waiting. You know, it doesn't talk about the struggles, but there were struggles with people. You may not know this, but there are many people that claim to be the Messiah before Jesus came. There are others. There are movements who claim to be the Messiah. But this man here said, no, 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 I'm still waiting. 
It's coming. He was faithful and devout. It says he was in contact with the scriptures. Let me ask you a question. How much contact do you have with the Bible besides picking it up for Sunday church? How much contact do you have with it? By contact, I mean like contact. Looking at it, reading it, applying, contact. I'm not talking about, I sleep with my Bible. That's all, that's all right. I, I hold it dear to me. No, that's cool. But do you have contact with your heart and the scriptures? How much do you really know about the Bible? And let's be honest with ourselves. How much do you really know? You should know the more you read it. The more you read, the more you know. Yeah, I've been a Christian 18 years. It's taken a long time to, to know things in the Bible. It doesn't, just, it doesn't just happen overnight. You have to read it a little bit at a time, a little bit of a time, and you start getting the essence and the heart and the mind of God. Amen. Can you help someone to become a Christian? Can you help someone with the Bible to become a Christian? Amen. Some amen. You should be able to. If you don't, you ought to. Know how to help someone become a Christian. The more you know the Word of God, the more you're going to know the mind of God. Amen. You know, Simeon was waiting. Can you imagine waiting your whole life for the promise? Because you are a lot like Simeon and may not realize how much in common you have. You are waiting for salvation. We're waiting either for Jesus to come back from heaven while we're alive, or waiting to die faithful to Jesus. Those are our options if you're a disciple, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower. Those are your options. Either He comes while we live, or we live until we die faithful. And then we see salvation. Then we get there. You know, we're in waiting mode. And let me tell you, it's worth the wait. For Simeon, it was worth the wait. Longevity, faithfulness, it's worth it. You know, in his song, Simeon writes in verse 32, and he gives, again, the readers are the, are the, are the oppressed, the minority. They're saying, hey, it's, Jesus is a light to the Gentiles. He's a light to the little guy, to the outsider. He's here for you. You're not outside. You're inside. He came for you. And that's a, that's a pattern that emerges in God's plan, that the Gentiles are included. And we're the Gentiles. We're it. We, we make up the Gentile. Amen. My parents are from South America. And they're not Jewish. So therefore, I'm a Gentile. Take it or, take it or leave it. My immigrant parents, they're Gentiles. And that's awesome. If they, have, if they hadn't come here to America, if they hadn't raised us, if they hadn't told us to go to college, to go to school, I mean, it's all God's plan. I don't know how I would have gotten met. I went to college. Dad said, go get a degree, get something, do something with your life. Right? But he also said, you can stay here until you, you know, you're old, too. I can live there, you know. <laughs> I had options, man. I had options. So I wasn't that motivated to go to school. I had, I had a good free rent, free food. But I went to school anyway. And I got met as a Christian there. And someone, so what impressed me the most was this brother, he knew the Bible. It was so impressive. He knew it. I didn't know it, and I was going to church most of my life. But he knew the Bible, and that was impressive. 
And Simeon tells Mary that Jesus is going to get a mixed reception. Rise and fall. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, you also get a mixed reception. When you go out and share your faith. People get excited or people fall and go, I'm not hanging out with you again. It's a mixed reception. If you're living like a Christian, you usually get that. It's a mixed bag. We hope for the best, but it's usually mixed. Just like Jesus. Simeon. He was faithful. He was a man of God for many, many years. He saw salvation. And we need to be just as faithful as him. That's why he's in the scriptures. So we can see an example of someone who did it. He was faithful to the end. All the way. You want an example of an older Christian? Look at your Bible. Look at the scriptures. Sometimes they say, well, I need to physically see him. They're right here. Physically. You can touch him. They're right there. You want a mature brother to counsel you? He's in here. There's plenty of mature brothers. Look at Caleb, who was 80 and says, I feel like I'm 40. Let's go do this. Mature brother right there. Your age has nothing to do with your spiritual strength. You could be 90 and kicking some butt. Right? You could be old and strong. We don't retire you in the church. You can retire because you've got to park the car. No. Like Caleb. Like Moses. At age 80, led the people. You know, God doesn't give us an escape clause going, I'm retired as a Christian. There is none of that. We go all the way. Simeon goes, hey, I made it. Now, Lord, please release me. Let me go. Look at verse 36. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, a tribe of Asher. She was very old. The Bible has no problem with calling a woman very old. I want you to know that, sisters. God does not have a problem with calling a woman very old, okay? It's actually prestigious. It's a good thing. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at the very, very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of God, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. You know what I love about the Gospel of Luke is the emphasis he puts on women. The emphasis in the Gospel. Women in society in the ancient Old Testament were not regarded very highly. They were pretty much used to make babies and make children. That was pretty much it. But even in the Old Testament, God says, Honor your father and your mother. Which was new in the ancient days. Even in the Roman Empire. You know, if you were not a Roman citizen, you had very little rights. Even if you were a woman. You know, you, you, you had certain rights, but you weren't esteemed. Widows were certainly not esteemed. Because a widow was voiceless. They had no man to speak on their behalf. In fact, there was a Roman law that encouraged widows 
to remarry. It was better for them financially to remarry. But here's Anna, who doesn't remarry, who wants to stay in the temple. She was a little different. You know, Joseph and Mary in the book of Luke, Mary carrying the Savior. You know, God could have come down to earth in many, many, many different ways, but he chose a woman to give birth to the Messiah. Elizabeth and Zechariah, God could have chosen many ways too. Zechariah was blessed. The widow, Zarephath, in Luke chapter 4. The widow of Nain, Luke chapter 7. The parable of the persistent widow, Luke chapter 18. And in Luke chapter 8, there were women who followed Jesus and supported his ministry. Women are highlighted, are honored, are lifted up in Scripture. Sisters, you should feel very encouraged. God believes in the women in the church. You know, Anna, why is she in the gospel? You know, the Bible stresses she was 84 years old. For ancient times, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, she was on God's medical plan. I mean, it was, it was something. That's rare. Wow. That long. But the Bible stresses she was a prophetess. She spoke. She had no qualms about speaking about God. She was a spokesman. But also said she was also a widow. She had no financial support, very little, no husband to speak for her. But you look at her relationship with God. Again, economics does not, does not drive your spiritual strength. Amen. It's your walk with God. She was only married seven years and then a widow for the rest. In those days, they married very young. So she was a widow a long time. Luke has a concern for the poor, for the oppressed. And she was engaged in what? Fasting and prayer. Amen. She was engaged in worship. And here we can see God's heart for women. And their relationship with women, with Jesus and the church. It's interesting how Luke opens up with women, Mary, Elizabeth, and at the very end, when he resurrects, guess who he shows himself to first? A woman. Guess who gets delivered the message to the apostles that Jesus rose from the dead? A woman. Give the apostles credit that they actually listened to the women. That Jesus actually resurrected. Amen, brothers? Come on. Women have been messengers for God. Let me speak to the brothers for a minute. Sisters have a lot of great things to say. They have a lot of great ideas. They have a lot of great insight. And we should listen to them. Amen. 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 Let me ask you a question, sisters. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you all one in Christ. Yes, the Bible highlights the women, the freedom they have in Christ. Let me ask you, sisters, what are you doing with your freedom? What are you doing with it? And as an example, fasting, praying, Worshiping, proclaiming. What are you doing, sisters? Here's an example for you of Anna proclaiming the news about Jesus, fasting and praying and worshiping. 
She's not idle. She's not sitting around. She's not reading People magazine all day. She's proclaiming. She's out there. She's active. How are you doing in that area, sisters? Because you got freedom. You have God's given you the liberty to speak, proclaim, advance, shout. God is here. God is real. What are you doing with your freedom? Are you proclaiming? Because I ask myself, why is Anna in here? She's in here as an example. She was doing that for a long time. When she lost her husband, that's where she was at. For a long time. So I want to encourage the women in the church. This is a good role model. She had no money. Didn't matter. She had no voice. Didn't matter. A lot of times we want to wait for the right circumstances. It's got to be just right. It's got to feel right. Before I can go outside with my little Bible talk card. It's got to, the conditions must be perfect. The conditions are never perfect. In fact, God usually, I think on purpose, makes them awkward. Because we have to rely on Him and not our, you know, panache, style. Here's a card for you. Because we want to rely on ourselves to bring people sometimes. Our personality. Our approach. Our style. God forbid our haircuts, right? Right? This is where we have to trust God as disciples. That God sends, sends us through Simeon, an example, through Anna, an example. She personifies a long history of people who are expecting the Messiah. She personifies that. And they're in the Bible to inspire us, to challenge us. When we get older, it's not for us to retire and check out spiritually. It's for us to go, wow, this is pretty cool. I can't wait to see Jesus. Amen. And for many of us, we got a long road ahead of us. But these are two good examples of people, a man and a woman, who stayed the course. Now, it doesn't go into all the bumps and all the life challenges, but you, as you know life, there are many challenges in life. And we heard Chris and Lori's challenges. That's common challenges we have in parenting, in finances. These are common challenges. That wasn't for We laugh with them so hard because we're like, that's my story. Because yeah. Yeah. we all can relate to that. But brothers, you're free. Sisters, you're free. Amen. Let's put our freedom to good use. Amen? Amen. And to God be the glory. Thank you for your time.